If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Man, we've got a lot, a lot to cover tonight, especially for an episode where we're not even talking about a game. No games. No No games. But can I say something, Brian? If you watch Sunday night, y'all saw Curtis as a nervous wreck. (laughs) on social media potentially dm stuff this week y'all know i was a nervous wreck because my fear was we're not gonna get a decent fucking coach oh god we're not gonna get a good coach jesus we're not gonna get a good coach let me have some whiskey here oh we're not i'm nerve-wracking brian's more cool and relaxed um kind of he shot me a few texts where a little worry came over (laughs) yeah yeah it's you know not, not not worried, but definitely getting a little anxious. And especially as we got into late Monday night, we started to see a couple other names pop off. And we're like, all right, who are we getting? Who are we getting? Um, and it turned out we got a dark horse. One of our dark horses. I, w- I don't think you pulled the clip, Brian. But if you go back to Sunday during that episode, Brent Pry was a dark horse. Brian, I, I, I was like, he's a dark horse. I don't know if we'll talk to him. You said, point blank, he will get a phone call. And he yep. clearly got a phone call. He was one of the first three phone calls with Bobcock made. And that would be Brent Pry, your new Hokie head coach. And can I say why we kind of put him at the dark horse level? Go for it. If you recall, when we were going through it, we had mentioned Brent Pry a couple times. Just as behind the scenes, me and Brian talking. And I said, you know, that's a name, good defensive coordinator, coached a long time, some experience in Blacksburg. But when James Franklin locked in that 10-year deal, instead of being in our list, we moved him out because he'd been with Franklin so long. I mean, right at 10 years, he was his right-hand man. It was like, maybe they call him, but is, is he one of these DCs for life? And he's making over a million bucks. He's got, you know, an elite defensive unit. I mean, there are a couple games this year. I mean, the Ohio State game this year, 
in the Michigan game against those offenses. That defense kept them in those games. And I mean, just a linebacker factory. Oh, yeah, and we're going to hit all that tonight. So it was this underlying reason. It's like he's just not going to come. And then lo and behold, mid-morning on Tuesday, Pete Thamel first reported, and Pete's pretty good. But it was about 30 minutes later, I think, all of Hokie Nation was like when David Teal put out the tweet. Yeah. We got our guy. Once you saw Teal, you're like, all right, somebody on the inside has has confirmed it. Because Teal wasn't just going to repeat a report from Thamel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Teal was going to confirm shit himself before he put it out there. And here we are. Uh, We wanted to wait and do this episode until after we saw the press conference, introduction, all that stuff that was going on today. Uh, And I'm thankful for that because I feel like we get to kind of talk about some fun stuff too on top of just here's the hire, here's here's why we like it, and here's who we hope he brings along with him. We get we get to have a little bit more more to talk about on that. So I'm I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we 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 played a little bit of a waiting game there, pushed it back a day. Um and hopefully you guys enjoy what we're about to about to bring your way. Absolutely. All right. Well Brian, just I'm sure everybody's heard it, but let's get a quick run of his background. Um obviously uh born in Altoona, Pennsylvania, but spent kind of his formative years um at Lexington. His dad was a football coach, smaller schools and high schools around basically West Virginia, Virginia, in the greater mid-Atlantic area. So played football at Lexington High School. And I'm going to start in 1998 because the last piece everybody knows. 98, he has a run at Western Carolina. 2002-2006, he was at ULL with a name. If you are a Hokie fan of our generation, you know Ricky Bustle, the offensive coordinator for the 99 team. Offensive coordinator throughout the 90s with some of those big teams. He was the D.C. for Ricky down there. They had some success. And probably two names that pop out immediately, he coached Peanut Tillman. If you watch the NFL in the 2000s, was a ball hawk and Ike Taylor. So already coaching at a defensive coordinator level, NFL-type players. Yep. And, you know, Bustle gets let go in 06. And he goes over to Memphis. Is that a red flag for anybody? He he coached at Memphis for three years. It's not when you see who he coached. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he coached the D-line, and he coached Ontario Poe, who was like a low-level two-star. And that kid, when the first round, played quite a few years. That big, one of the most unreal, talented guys to be 300. The, the, the size-to-athleticism ratio that Dontari Poe brought to the table was ridiculous. Early Tim Settle. And yeah. Early Tim Settle. Yep. Um, so he stays there just just three years, goes over to Georgia Southern where he was a defensive coordinator and safeties coach. So right there it kind of tells you linebackers, safeties, D-line. Only thing he hadn't coached is really is the corners. Um, but then in 2011, essentially this is his big break. He's hired by James Franklin at Bandy. Um and basically linebacker, defensive coordinator, associate head coach, recruited the likes of Oren Burks, who's currently with the Green Bay Packers, and a very, very good linebacker in Zach Cunningham. Never coached those guys, but recruited them to Vandy. And then, obviously, 
the Penn State follows Franklin 2014, associate head coach, co-defensive coordinator at there, and Vandy with Bob Shoup. Then he takes over when Shoup leaves, coaches linebackers. And, Brian, give us the laundry list of players he coached there and recruited. Yeah, so we've got Micah Parsons is the big one. Um, he's five-star crushing it for the Cowboys. I mean, it's just, um, there's not, there's not really a whole lot you can say that people don't already know about Micah Parkins. You got Shaka Tony, Yatur Gross Mato, um, Mike Hall. Yeah. Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg Um, Mike Hall, um, big 10 linebacker of the year. Uh, guys, he also recruited that aren't in the league yet. Um, Brandon Smith, uh, five-star linebacker out of Louisa. Uh, he's been having a, a good season there for the uh, Nittany Lions, and was on also the watch list. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously Devin Ford, the four-star running back out of Stafford. He's the guy that stole him. He's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah that that that's a that's a list of nothing but like four and five star guys that he's been able to pull. Uh, you know, a, a handful of them coming out of uh, Virginia. Well, just think about the list, really, for the last 20 years. Consistently, guys he's coached on his defense have made it to the league, with the exception of the stop at Georgia Southern in 2010. Every stop, at least one or multiple players making it to the league. That is a huge selling point. And it's almost this thing is, I can do it at any level. You have a feeling Tillman and Ike Taylor were not five-star guys. They were ULL. Shows you some developmental but also shows you he can recruit. Well, he can recruit, he can identify talent, and he can develop. So it's kind of the trifecta, right? And it's what the Hokies need. We need the trifecta. We're never going to pull all the five stars, so we've got to be able to develop. Now, Brian... We need to identify the guys. We we need to be able to pull enough of those four or five stars to keep us in that top 25, top 20 recruiting ranking, but we also need to be able to identify guys that other schools aren't that probably are under under ranked uh, in their, uh, their star ranking. And once we get those guys on campus, we got to be able to develop them and get them to reach their maximum potential. Absolutely. Now, obviously we did skip and obviously the biggest point was he was here from, he was at Virginia tech as a grad assistant under bud under Frank from 1995 to 1998 of Ariel. You know what those years were. 93 and 94 were the emergence, 95 and 96, especially 95 and 96, were the, brought, were the bringing to the national stage. The Sugar Bowl and the Orange Bowl, playing Texas and beating Texas, and playing Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. And it's, it's, it's this feeling, and I mentioned to a couple people today, if you watched it, we'll talk about the pressure in general later. There's some orange and maroon blood in him. You just, you feel it. You feel it. He talked about coming to camp at Tech when Frank was a coach when he was in high school. So this isn't like your direct perfect. This is the hokey hokey. This is like the second cousin. Right? Yep. And and this is and just hearing him speak, I mean, this was a stop that mattered a lot for him for years. Yeah. 
And I think that I think that's the biggest thing. And having having someone that is familiar with what it takes to win in Blacksburg, what Blacksburg is all about, what Virginia Tech football is all about. Sometimes you have to live it to know it. Yes, sir. And here's an example of someone that did live it. So um, I think that that's going to be big for us. And, And he's had stops at. Obviously, Penn State being a, a bigger time program than Virginia Tech, he's seen what it takes to compete at that type of level. Yep. In in the in the modern age of college football, essentially since kind of the big flip that happened kind of towards the end of the two uh, thousands, where some of the, the the recruiting and everything else really uh, went uh, went into overdrive there, right? So he knows how to win in that environment, and that's some something that we really haven't had at the head coach position because, you know, towards the end of Frank's career, he had, he hadn't figured it out. He hadn't been able to adapt towards the, towards the end there. Fuente never really got it fully. Yep. And, and the other, other aspects that were negatives in, in, in his, in his role there. Um, it just, it, it wasn't a good fit. Yep. We finally got someone that has seen the inside of that type of program and, and knows what it takes to, to win. So, uh, I'm looking that- forward to it. I'm I'm really, I mean, obviously the big thing is going to be wh- what does the staff fill out like? Yep. Uh, but we did get some big news today on that front. So uh, this kind of came out just before uh, the, the presser. Uh, compensation for coach and assistant salary. Oh, yeah. It's and and that's, that's big because... I didn't see it going this high. I didn't think we were going to look for it getting this high because he's he's getting four million out the gate, three point five supplemental, and then the five hundred k, you know, state salary. Yeah. Um, so he's getting four million out the gate, but Witt was true to his word: two million dollar bump in assistant salary pool, another two point seven five allocated uh, for recruiting assistants. Um, those, those are a single bucket. So if, if you need to move one to the other, um, you know, a little, little more in one, little more in the other, uh, you're essentially looking at almost 8 million, uh, combined between those two buckets, uh, to, uh, bring in quality on, on field coaches, 10 on, on field coaches and a very solid recruiting staff. Yep. It is. It's going to be second behind Clemson as of this year. Um, and it's one of those things that's, we did some math with some folks today. You can play both coordinators a million bucks and the average starting salary for your assistant coaches is 400,000. It's significantly lower than that right now. And everybody knows that. So dipping into that bucket is huge. I mean, it's one of those things, especially the way we'd set it up to be able to shift it. You know, you get your recruiting staff in place and you still have, a, you know, an excess of $300,000 and, you know, somebody has a great year, there's $100,000 bonus. Or this guy wants six fifty, not five fifty. Okay, well, we're going to move this over here to here. I like them in the same bucket. They need to stay in the same bucket because I think the recruiting department is going to be that turnover. You're going to have some stable guys. But to me, it's going to be people who want to get their foot in the door you know, 
guy comes in, he's here two years, he's making 60 grand a year, he gets he goes up to 75, but he leaves for a bigger position. That's going to probably fluctuate every few years to where it's going to go a little higher than a little lower where you can move the money back and forth. So I think Witt did that perfectly, and he was true to his word. It was going up. It is a hell of a lot more money. And Yeah, I, we went be- from middle of the pack in the ACC to number two. Number two. In two. one move. Um, so, I mean, that's that's big. Um, that shows a firm commitment to football, uh, which we've been begging for for years. What have, you been saying? what have you been saying? The tide, the water. Put the money in your cash cow, and your cash cow will make you more money for everybody. Exactly. And we're doing it. It's great to see. Now, Brian, some other things that have came down the past few days since the Brent Pry. Uh, announcement, you've got four guys in the recruiting class pretty much already saying that they are locked in. Harrison St. Germain from up in Nova, Malachi Madison down here in the RVA, Bryce Duke up in Nova, the running back. And to me, probably the biggest, because you feel like he is a bell cow leader of recruiting for the guys committed, Rashad Purnell out of Highland Springs, even bigger where he is. I think having those guys confirm, um, I looked somebody, I can't remember who it was, one of the guys, I think might have been Lamar Law, someone liked the tweet of the hire. I know over the next few days they're going to be having conversations with the coaches, but to have four guys good, and especially Purnell already kind of back in the boat, has got to feel great. Yeah, I mean, Purnell is definitely a big one there. Um just speaking personally, having a player from a program like Highland Springs, you know, confirm what they're doing. He's very, he's been very vocal on Twitter um, throughout his recruitment. So that's been big as well. So um, that, that's something that I'm looking forward to getting, uh, getting him on campus. Um, And he's also, he kind of fits that mold of what we're looking for in those, uh, those defensive linemen. I know we got a new, New system that we're looking at here probably coming in, but um, more than likely we're looking for the same type of player. Um, yeah, because it's gonna it's gonna be a very uh, gap oriented uh, defensive line uh, technique. So we're, we're looking for probably the same type of players that can hold those gaps, um, bigger and taller uh, type <laughs> type uh, type linemen than we are accustomed to recruiting and some of the recruiting that we've seen in the last couple of years has denoted that. Yeah. So kind of one of those things where luckily the direction that we've taken it, even though, you know, we, we there are some holes in this, there be ready for the portal. We're going to start having a portal segment every time we record, but yeah, it's going to be some in and we're hopefully, I mean, some out and hopefully we get some in as well. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll identify those when we talk that segment a little bit later guys, but uh yeah. Getting those four to uh, you know, express co- commitment. Um, you know, we're we're hearing whispers that sounds like Orgy is still ready to potentially commit on the fifteenth and enroll early. Oh. So, so that that that's a big one as well. It, it's not Twitter official or or, or social yeah. media official, but um, that's the that's the word we're getting on him, yeah. and that's going to be big because more than likely we're going to have two freshman quarterbacks yes, potentially are. being the only quarterbacks on our roster unless we hit the portal. We're definitely hitting the portal for a quarterback. I'll make a bet on that. Something at else. Least one, at least at one. At least one. 
<laughs> something else that was set up and this was pretty much confirmed this was set up within 30 minutes of his announcement so basically the announcement was at noon on tuesday within 30 minutes there was a zoom call set up with football alumni um that happened today and white vic put out there almost 170 former players on this call to to have that done in less than 48 hours that tells you that a lot of these guys respect it and it's already been seen you have guys like Antonio Banks, Dwight, obviously JC. You've got guys who sat here and did it, are putting that stamp on. And by all accounts, this was something that Prize suggested. This wasn't like Wit thought it was a good idea, had it set up. This was something that Pry wanted to do. Um, brought it up, it got set up, rolled out, and uh, by all accounts that uh, that have been made public at this point. Uh, absolutely crushed it uh, with those uh, football alumni. Um, between Dwight, uh, Brendan Hill out there saying some good stuff on, on what he's heard. Um, saw some good stuff from, I think, Rock Carmichael was out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of lot of folks that you know and love that you see active on social media have, have made it well uh, clear that, you know, they're stamping this this higher at this point. Obviously, like. it, you, you got to see the wins come. Obviously, and and obviously, year one is going to be interesting with all the roster management issues that we have um, set up for us. But you know, year two, year three, I think if if the wins come, it's gonna it's gonna be a home run here. And yeah, if if the portal can be our friend, then you know we'll see what year one looks like. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, something that, that did not check the box for Whip, and he, and he said it, he mentioned it today, he didn't have any head coaching experience. But the way it seems is those opportunities had been there, not once, not twice, but three times. Um, in the last eight years, the opportunities at Georgia Southern and opportunity at ULL, that essentially would have been the Billy Napier hire. And then last year at Buffalo, he didn't take them. And then today during the presser, and this is when I unfortunately had to step off, but I kind of heard what was said. I think you were still on the call, Brian. Yep. Basically, I didn't want to go to this place or this place or this place or this place, but Virginia Tech, I would go there. Yep. And again, it's that whole, I believe he has balloon, maroon and orange in his blood. Like, because he, he had a handful of programs in the entire country that he was willing to take that step out there outside of the – the the zone that he was comfortable in and say, I, I want to give it a shot here. Yeah. I want to see what I can do here. Um, and it sounds like he wanted to be a head coach, but he wanted to be a head coach when it was the right fit, the right time. And we were lucky enough to, to, to be in that, in that number. So um, here we are. Brent yeah. prize, the head coach. Um, we, we hear it. Uh, we've heard a lot of people excited and apparently it was mentioned um, at a couple places, but, Everybody's looking forward to the spring game again. <laughs> Everybody. Get, please get that released as soon as possible for me and Brian so we can essentially start talking to our wives and be like, listen, we, we, we want to go. We're locking this shit in. We're we going. It's 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 going to be a party up there. Um, exactly. It's, and it's the whole thing. He said the fans matter. That, yeah. I mean, music to your ears because the, the fans do matter. And talked about embracing the community. And I think when he said that, I think he meant 
Hokie Nation in general, not just the Blacksburg. I think he's going to be unbelievable up in Blacksburg around that community. Um, but to get a big spring game, usually spring game, if you can remember, Brian, when we went, the West stands where we were, right? I'm, I'm always north, south. They always close it. I think they might have to just fully open the stadium because I think they could get a full house for this. The excitement around it. Um, it's definitely more excitement than Fuente. And I think there was some excitement with Fuente, but I, I feel like there's a lot more excitement right now because I think we've seen how bad it can be. Yes. And if and, and this isn't just – so I'll, I'll say this. We're about to talk about the presser. And my overall impression of the presser was this. Everybody has maroon and orange colored glasses on right now, right? Like we, Absolutely. We've moved on. We got a new coach. Yeah, that's great. This went beyond that. This this wasn't just a guy got up there and he said the right things. Um, this, this was legitimate. You feel this guy cares about what he's about to do. He cares about this community. He cares about doing the right thing to get this program where it needs to be. And and that I think is is where we're kind of we're kind of feeling ourselves right now, right? Yes. Uh, it, it feels good to be a Hokie fan again. It, it doesn't feel like there's something around the corner that's going to bite our ass. At, at least when it comes to football, right now, we feel like we're we're on the upswing here, and it feels that way not just because we got a new coach, but because of what he's doing, what he's saying, and how he's caring about his business and how he's expressing his admiration for the roots of this program and what it means. Well, yeah, 100%. And I think today, too, I was listening. You know, usually everybody wins the presser. Usually everybody has. It's hard to lose the presser. You might not win it, but you're not going to lose it. Everybody hits a double on the presser, even if you do it bad. Um, To me, this was a borderline home run, especially when he got into discussing – and I know you've got this a little later, but I think it's a good time to hit it before we deep dive. A, the way he mentioned James Franklin and the emotion he showed about that, about him being like a brother. They've known each other for close to 30 years. How the emotion he talked about him giving the opportunity and, you know, bringing him along to Penn State. But then the emotion when he talked about Bud and Frank, or as he called Frank Coach. And it was one of those things when he said it, like he meant Frank. Like as soon as he said it, you could just get that vibe. Like he means Frank. And and he, and he, and he got a little choked up and you could feel the emotion from him knowing that 26 years ago he had coached at East Stroudsburg. He sent 30 letters in Steiny was on staff, had coached him in high school and they gave him a GA job. And you could hear the emotion and the feel of they gave him his first big opportunity. And 26 years later, they're sitting in the room as he's announced the head coach of the first big university that took a chance on him. And it was genuine. It wasn't, it wasn't fake. It wasn't, it was so genuine. And you can say all the right things, but when you have two moments like that, you know this guy's genuine, real deal. Yeah, not some bullshitter. Well, I'll tell you what the difference is, and we've seen it the last two weeks, is that him and JC are cut from the same cloth. They are. 
the, the way they are personable with and relatable with everyone they come in contact with, but the way they, they wear their emotions on their sleeve. You, you see it, you feel it when they talk. And I, that, that is resonating 100% with the fan base right now. It is. It a hundred percent is. Yep. And I, so one of the things that uh, coach Pry led off with was talking about kind of his philosophy, um, w- what he's bringing as a head coach uh, to Virginia tech. So this is going to be a little bit more, a little bit less abstract than some of the things we're talking about here, but I mean, right out the gate, hire the right people and recruit the right players. Yep. And when I hear hire the right people, I don't think that means at Virginia Tech will go hire the the most high dollar person. You've got to find someone that's going to fit in this culture. You can't just go out and be like, well, he's a good coach. You got to find somebody that fits the culture. So when I hear him discussing hire the right people, you got to have the right mentality. You got to have the right background. And you got to, to me, I also think you got to have the right connections in the footprint. Yeah. And, you um, you got to be the the right person that will do the job well, but also be able to sell the culture and vision and what it is to play in Blacksburg because it's different than other places. And the thing I like about recruit. him coming from a place like Happy Valley is that he understands. I know that's more of a an established and um, prestigious in terms of football program yep. that Virginia Tech has been historically. But Happy Valley is in the middle of fucking nowhere. nowhere. He understands what it takes to recruit big time players uh, to a place that isn't a major metro area that doesn't have all the bells and whistles within a short drive. Yeah, he he knows what it takes to recruit to that type of community. It, it, it's absolutely true, and 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 it's also the expectations, right? They have expectations up there like we have down here. We expect winning. We expect good football product. Now, the other piece he talked about was recruiting the right people. We've hit on this already. And it's not only at Virginia Tech, you know, like you said, Brian, earlier, you need to get a five-star every now and then. And we kind of had them periodically. But get the four stars. But then find the -the under-the-radar guys. Find the athletes. And bring them in and develop them. Because, and, and also, he said it. People, recruit people that want to be here. And he kind of, and I love what he said today. There's going to be some people we go after that they're just not going to fit here. And that's okay. Right? It's okay. It's okay. Find the people that want to be here. And Brian, you know, we talked about managing and developing the roster. What's the biggest thing? And I think if you follow closely what this statement right here, say it. Recruit our footprint. He hammered that point home. And what we're talking about is much like we've seen Mac Brown do to a point, much like we've seen some other folks do. He's going to try to put up a fence around this state get as much of the high caliber talent in the state to stay home, yep. to play in Blacksburg. 
And I mean, he emphasized it from a, a relationship perspective. He yes, wants he players where, you know, mom, dad, uncle, grandma, they can get in the car and drive. Yeah. They can get in the car and drive and see their son play big time college football. Yep. And you, you can't do that if some of the best players are going to Alabama or some of the best players are heading down to Florida, but you can do that every damn weekend. If they're going to Blacksburg, you damn right. They are every weekend. And, and I think that that's something that we can start getting some wins there. Yeah. And I, I, it seems like he's the type of guy that can sell that vision uh, to those players and say, yeah, you could go to you know fucking Chapel Hill, but drive an extra hour to Blacksburg, stay in your home state, and let's build something big and get get Virginia Tech back to where it was when they played for a national title. You ever seen UNC in the national title? Never. Actually, you ever seen them in a big big bowl? Once. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> a time, like one time. Compared to where from 1995 to 2011, it was about every other year. Sugar, orange, sugar, orange, peach. Another and thing peach. he said that I liked, and um, you know, they, they talked about it. He's like when I, when he walked into Lane and he saw that the uh, the last ACC championship was 2010. He's like, that's too damn long. Yeah, we, we need to get that back, and that that says that he's he's ready to to take that next step. He's, he's not just there to, to get us to the coastal. He's there to hang banners. He's here to hang banners. And I think the other thing that kind of went about his philosophy is I don't think he's going anywhere. I think, I think the, why it took so long. And like he mentioned today, only a handful of places. This is one of those places. It's like home to him. It's like home to him. Um, And, and something else he said about welcoming the high school coaches and train like almost like open door just come on down I, I think having him already established at Penn State and I said this about Charles Huff and I you know and I'll say it about Brent I don't think Brent's going to have too much of a problem walking in to Highland Springs or down to Oscar Smith or up you know like to Stafford in those counties yeah. and just they know Brent and now Brent's going to be selling something in state, where hey, you're two and a half, you're three hours from Blacksburg. Let's get these kids here. We know when the top people in this state come to this university, we know the greatness that can be with can be attained. We saw it. We saw it. when he says we, he's gonna be talking to the coaches, and he's the one that's got to sell that. When the best players in this state come here. And we look at our other regional footprints and a couple other players. Big do, things happen. Big things happen. Um, yep. Brian, do you feel like me and you could uh, – you got your drink and drink there? I feel like we could go to any bar in Blacksburg, sit down with this guy, and have a drink and have a, an hour conversation without blinking. Yeah. Um, and, and he talked about it. He, he's all about building relationships. Um, all about building relationships, having an open door policy. Uh, and, and that applies, he said, to folks that come on campus, uh, everyone in Merriman, uh, players. And 
you know, talk about welcoming the high school coaches and, and, and getting back in the high schools. Like we haven't seen a blitz like that in a while. Uh-uh. And that's big for me because that's what we really, that that's where the recruiting problem started was, was not establishing those relationships with the high school coaches. And, you know, we, we talked about it, but with the, with the trainers and some of those folks that run the academies down there, uh, especially in the seven five seven, where that's a that's a big part of developmental football in the middle and high school level. Yeah, and it's the, it's becoming a culture thing down there. Like the culture's changed down there a little bit. Don't be afraid to. I think he's going to be a guy. Is it's probably going to adapt pretty quick to it. Um, you know, he he also talked about our history in terms of recruitment. It's another big piece. Essentially, um, hold on, I made a note here of what he said. Oh, man. The pride for Virginia kids, how that used to be a big thing to go to your in-state school with your state's name on it in ball. And he talked about bringing that back. And I think, you know, so many times when you have a Virginia kid at Virginia Tech do great things, it goes so much further. I mean, just a few weeks ago, a DB and Harris going in, two kids from the state, a Highland Springs and a 757 kid going in who were ungodly on the football field. And we saw it firsthand. We saw both of them play firsthand. They were crazy good. So getting that back in and like, Again, you can you feel like that's going to be a selling point. Like, be prideful of the state you live in. You come here and do something, you're going to build it, and your name's going to be on there. And you know, I think bringing the alumni back in, we've already discussed it, and having that discussion. Like, you know, one of the coolest things about going to the 2016 spring game was approaching former players and just talking to them. It, 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 it like it was just so so approachable. I mean, that's where we met Daryl Tapp. And since then we've got to interview him, which is just even crazier that we met him and then interviewed him in the course of a span. They come here, you, you come back here, you're you're a god. Yep. Next level. And I think that I think that's the big thing that we were missing in the Fuente era that we had talked about uh with several people. We talked about it with uh, Dwight, when he was on here with us, we talked about it with Christina being able to look back, but keep it moving forward. Right. Yes. Appreciate yes. the history, appreciate the culture, uh, but still do it your own way. Do it, do it the way you have to do it in this modern era while still honoring what got you here in the first place. And he's already seen it at a big place, right? Yep. You mentioned that today about how you have to respect what happened then. Like, as a, as a Virginia Tech coach, you must respect what happened in the 90s. You must respect what happened since then in all those big games. But you've got to move forward. You've got to move forward. You've got to know how to change things, but still respect it. Exactly. And I think seeing that process happen already, I think he's probably got an idea of what he wants to do. And you, you, you feel like if he can put some of those plans into place, it's going to be really big. Um, yeah, and and the other thing he talked about was, you know, once you get these players on campus, the development aspect, get them to be the best version of a football player they can be while they're here. And to to a bigger point, he talked about being willing to have hard conversations 
And that was with players. That was with coaches. That was with looking at himself and what he's doing. And I think that that level of self-reflection and reflecting on what needs to be done to get the most out of you and your players, that's big. That's going to be big for this program because I feel like that was one of the big things that was lacking with, with the Fuente regime. Absolutely. A huge thing lacking. And I think as, as I've joked, I just want to, I just want a coach who's going to be willing to sit down and tell another coach, we're going to have to let you go. You're not living up to expectations. Or before that, have some hard ass conversations where you're trying to get them on the right damn track. And, and, and he's, and he's, and that's, that's what we need. We need somebody that was willing to have those hard conversations. It because like, that that's yeah. part of being a leader part of being you, you can't just you know be be the nice guy be the best friend be you can't be that guy all the time but you and can't be the hard ass all the time either you can't be and and he and he showed in this press conference he's like i'll push him but uh, but i'll at the same time he's having a good time up there he's laughing he's joking um and and night, that's something that is night and day from what we're used night to in a press conference dude Oh my Night, god! I mean, just so so natural when he was ask, answering questions from the uh, the media folks that were asking uh, the, the questions up there. Um, he said the right things, but he tied it back to like the personal experiences he's had. Brought up some hokey history. Brought up history with with other folks that he's uh, experienced over the years. Uh, compl- uh, calling out JC uh, <laughs> uh, on Bourbon Street uh, oh, after god. the uh, Sugar Bowl. <laughs> That was like maybe the hands down one of the best moments of he was sitting there and I can't remember was it might have been Brooke Leonard that asked him about that. I think so. Yeah. And he was like, Well, we started 0-2, and here comes Miami, man. The flash, they're Miami. It's the U. And I know I'm paraphrasing some of the stuff he said. They have the orange police there and shiny. And that day we played hard nosed defense and we ran the ball at them and we beat them. And we won 10 straight. And we won a sugar bowl. And then right here not say anything else. But where you felt the genuine level with J.C. in the room. And I tell you, when me and J.C. and Wes Warsham, Warsham, just think of Warsham Field and you wonder who that guy is, went out on Bourbon Street and you're like, basically he just told us we were super excited we won that game and we went out and we got hammered <laughs> after that game <laughs> on Bourbon Street. It's relatable. Yeah, because that's what, that's what you would fucking do in that same situation. <laughs> if you ever told us, Hokies in a sugar bowl and you guys went and you guys had a huge win. What would happen? Well, A, I hope we have a nanny or, you know, wifeies or come because we would go get drunk on Bourbon Street without even a doubt. Damn right. That makes you feel relatable. Like you feel like if 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 he had that win, if if next year we're walking off Lane Stadium, we beat UVA, we have the Commonwealth Cup, you feel like he would be the guy that evening cracking open a bottle of bourbon. And slamming it down, celebrating a win. Yep, right. And he uh, he made another joke about uh, about Bud when he was asked what type of defense uh, he was looking to do. He's like, "Your defenses have been aggressive." He's like, "Wonder who I got that from." Um, <laughs> it just again, it just he feels like so natural, and I can't wait for this next you know six months. Where hopefully, I hope he hits every recruit night. Because yeah. we get recruit night in Richmond with the Richmond Hogan Club, you'll we'll be there. We will be there. Yeah. Whatever if they have restrictions, we'll 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 whatever. 
Yep. Whatever. And the big takeaway for me is that just everything seems so genuine. Like, yes, it, it, it wasn't manufactured. It was just like, here's the answer. Here, here's how I feel about it. I'm going to kid with you. I'm going to joke with you. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be serious when I need to professional when I need to, but I'm going to cut loose when I need to. And I think that's something that we're not used to. He's just, he seems comfortable in who he is at all times. It's not just those moments where he has to open up. It's like he, he is who he is on air, off air indifference. So I think that's something that's, that's going to be big for us. Cause that's kind of how Frank was, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly how Frank was exactly how Frank was. And I tell you the other piece, and I know you, everybody's seen the videos and him coming in, flying in, getting off the band that he was taking selfies with all the guys, the with numerous band members having fun. And later in the video, he's walking down that tunnel and talked about how coming down that tunnel brought back a ton of emotion for him. And it, it, it got you swell. Then he shows him on the field. And I think it's his mom. I don't think it's his wife and kids because I think they were with him. But I think it was his mom. And he's just – and he's got the, he's got his phone up and he's kind of showing her around. And, like, like he gets it. I think he gets the culture of this place. And not only just the football aspect. Not only just the football aspect of it. I mean, when, when you saw – tell me what, you, what your immediate thought was – you saw that post of him this morning with the court. It was like the butt crack. It, there was no light yet outside. But when you saw that. Uh, the, I mean, the first thing, I mean, we've said it before, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, this dude gets it. He get he gets what it means to be here. Um, he gets what's, what's important to people on this campus and not just people that are associated with the football team. And I think that's, that's a big part, I think, of what 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 we missed with with the Fuente area is that Fuente was very much compartmentalized into football. Football. He wasn't necessarily community member. He wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, outreach to everyone on campus. There there wasn't that type of role for him. It was like this is my job as a football coach. And yeah. I, I don't get that sense with Pry. I think Pry, Pry seems to have a great understanding of what it means to be a part of the community full stop, not just part of the community as a football coach. And One. I think that's what's been missing because that's what Frank was. Fra- Frank was the embodiment of Virginia Tech, not just I'm a football coach. He wasn't just a football coach. He was Virginia Tech. And I think you're right with Justin Fuente. It never bought into being a part of the whole community. Um, like you didn't see, I mean, you didn't even hear stories about going to some of the downtown restaurants, being, even even going out like in Roanoke somewhere. That's 35, 40 minutes up the road. But if, you, if you're seen in Roanoke as a Virginia Tech head coach, people know. And how do we know this? Our, our musical director, Jason Long, <laughs> what was it about six weeks ago we messaged him and he's like, yeah, people are not happy up here with this coach. He is going to be gone. And again, it's, it's the different culture of this place. And you had Frank for so long and Frank is who he is. And it was the genuine article. And, you know, Frank to this day still walks his, you know, dog or walks around campus. 
the, the freaking college football Hall of Fame coach just walks around campus. That's crazy. And, you know, we, we sit here and talk about the other things about it, you know, and we talked about it earlier, but talking about Franken budding in, starting his journey, the choke-up piece. And I know I've mentioned it a couple of times. When you get choked up like that, it truly means something to you. And when it truly means something, I think this guy will fight tooth and nail. I think he will do everything he can to make this program where it was. And and that's all we can ask right now. And, you know, how about this? Guy went to high school in Lexington. Guy went to high school in Radford. They're the head coaches of the football team and the basketball team. Now, and he, he met Mike Young today and he talked with the players. By the way, we don't have this mentioned tonight. What a fucking victory last night because they did not play their best game. Maryland's house was rocking. We were getting some really shitty under-the-basket foul calls, but they yep. – Fucking grind. They sacked up in the last five minutes and pulled that shit out. Yes, they did. <laughs> Huge win. Um, shout out, Mike. That, that was that was a big win. Mike Young definitely. There, there was a point where he saw. All right, I see that what we normally do isn't working. Let me call a few sets here. Let's manufacture some points to get a lead, and then let the defense close it out. And that and that's way, what he did. I know this is this is off topic. Even with the losses to Memphis and Xavier, you know, the offense not clicking, the defense is playing its nuts off. Defense is going to put us in every game this year, every game. And, and when the, the nights when the offense clicks, which I think he'll eventually get to it, and the defense Storm, clicks, Storm's got to play into form. Uh, he is not, he is not in rhythm. Form. He's got to figure out that he's playing against a hell of a lot better competition now. And yep. I think Mike understood that in the second half and got him distributing a little bit more. Makes sense. Wow, we've got to distribute. He's, he's got to distribute more, but he also has to. When the shot's there, he can't be thinking about that last miss. No, because towards the end of that game, he passed up two threes that he should have took wide open. All right. Somehow we just went into basketball for the last couple. Sorry, of guys. Yeah, but yeah, me- meeting up with Mike Young today—that uh, was big. Um, Baseball team. I didn't. I I never saw a lot of interaction, um, ever between Fuente and Young. I mean, it was it it was very minuscule. If if anything, getting that relationship going right out the gate is going to be big. I mean, they're the two biggest faces of the athletic department outside of Whit Babcock. So, but 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 look, you got you got to put them front and center, and and seeing them. Um, reciprocate like that is going to be big. And the other thing, I know we talked about him tearing up with Frank and Bud, but the big thing for me is that when Fuente was announced, Frank was stepping down, Bud was staying on. They were obligated to vouch for the new guy coming in. There was absolutely no obligation to vouch for the next head coach here, but Bud and, and Frank are front and center Yes, they are singing Brent Prize praises. Says a lot. It says a hell of a lot. It says a hell of a lot too. You've seen Tony Roby already shouting him out. The baseball team is running laps, making jokes about making sure they got all the seats prepared for the next fall. It's it's one of these things. It's a cultural hire. It's a cultural hire, but it's a hire of a damn good football coach. Because, again, I said it, the defense is he's yielded 
whether it's co-DC or full-time or the primary defensive coordinator at Vanderbilt and Penn State, four have been top ten in the last eight years. The other eight, like I think 37, I have to go back and look. I think 37 might be the lowest. If you tell me we're going to field a top 35 defense every year and every other year we're going to be in the top ten, watch the fuck out. Um, Sign me up. Sign me up too. All right. (laughs) I don't think this is any shock. Um, obviously, it was announced um, back last on Tuesday. JC's being entertained. JC's going to be the associate head coach along with the defensive line coach. Pearson Prelude retained. Makes a lot of sense. It's another one of those connections, right? Pearson was here during his time here. And it's pretty awesome to hear that JC and Pearson are on the road trying to lock down this recruiting class. I don't think. You could ask for two better guys to do that. I'm 100% with you. Uh, the, the the quote was, uh, JC, what are you doing today? Uh, he's like, I'm about to hit the road uh, recruiting. Yeah, so he, he's not hanging around, dicking around. Uh, he, he made his appearance this morning uh, with, the, uh, with the presser, and then he got up back on the road trying to get this class closed out. And, and that's big. Retaining JC – associate head coach uh going to be coaching some on the defensive line but obviously still carrying a big mantle for the recruiting to close out this year and you know Pearson uh player development for defense he's he's still rolling with JC and getting this class finished out and hopefully we can retain most of this class keep it together I know we talked a little earlier about the four that have already uh kind of kind of confirmed there uh we think Orgy's in in the boat as well um, but keeping this class together, it's, it's probably one of the best classes that, uh, Fuente was able to put together during his tenure and being able to maintain that and then build upon that next year with all the resources that we'll have and what, what seems to be a stat, at least a head coach that we know of and a staff that's going to be geared towards recruiting our footprint. The sky's going to be the limit with this thing, man. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, big shout out to JC Price and Pearson Prelo um, to to close this thing out for us. But you know, the big question, Curtis, that we were asking ourselves right up the gate, right, was was why why is Brent Pry the best fit? And for us, we kind of really identified four areas: culture, identity, vision and passion and a a lot of those go hand in hand right the actually probably all four but really you put that culture and the passion together he understands the culture he understands how passionate this culture is you also see how passionate he is about it um i have a feeling we're going to run the ball even though we ran a lot during the fuente era i think we're going to run the ball just as much um and I think if we can hold on to that kid on the south side, Ramon Brown, I think he has that potential to be, you know, the next running back that we will talk about forever. No, no, no disrespect to Malachi Thomas, although I'd love to get him in there. Let's get an Untouchables part two. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm all for it. If, 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 if you know, you know. Yeah, but I mean the the identity. I mean that goes back. Our our identity has always been defense first, special teams defense. 
cripple you into submission. And I think we're going to get back to that identity. Yes. And I think that's big. And, and he was talking about it even uh, to the point where he's like, you know, we're bringing in a DC, but he will call plays once I'm comfortable with him calling plays. If that's after spring ball, that's great. If it's after year one, that's great. Accountability. Um, I hear he, that. He want, I hear accountability. Yeah. He, he wants, he wants to make sure that that, that defense is humming. That's first and foremost on his mind. And, and that's, that's big for us because I think w- when we look at what Virginia tech is, it is a defense and special teams first program. I mean, the offense will come and I think the offensive coordinator hire is going to be the most important hire that Brent Pry makes because that is not his area of expertise. He's going to have to lean on that person from day one to be making a lot of decisions that happen on that side of the ball. Absolutely. So that's going to be the most important hire. He's going to have to have somebody that he trusts, but also someone that can do things at a high level, identify and recruit talent to the offensive side of the ball. That's going to be the most important hire that he makes. I think that entire staff is. I think you've got to have guys that can coach, put in the right system that can work here. Um, but you've also got to – again, I think you're going to see footprint hires. I think you're going to see guys that know, man, what's always been the DMV, the 7-5, the Carolinas, Georgia, and Florida. I think as we start seeing that staff go, and I know – And the occasional handful of stars from Southside Virginia. There you go. <laughs> if you've got one down there, go get it because they love to stay at Virginia Tech. Shout out all the Edmonds brothers. Shout out David Wilson. Um, shout out Orion Martin. Cam. Cam over in Henry County. But I think what, what – what, and I don't know if we're going to do an episode next week, guys, because we've done a lot of episodes this year. Brian, click it up real quick just so that you can see how much we've done. We're at – this is 44. 44 episodes. We might need to take a break because we are going to have a banger in about two weeks here. But if we start seeing all the coaching hires come down, yes, we will be back. And that probably means we're going to be back sometime next week. So, but I want to see who it is. I I think for, for, for me, because I've been around you freaking 20 plus years of my life, (laughs) I want to know who the O-line coach is. I don't yep. know who the O-line coach is. And something we're probably going to do, guys, write this in your calendar, probably January, right, Brian? Once we find out who the OC and the DC is, Brian's going to take the offensive side of the ball, do some tape breakdown. Our our buddy, Coach Robbie Compton, down in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, coaching high school ball down there, defensive coordinator. He's going to do some defensive tape breakdown. And what we want to do is kind of say, this is what we're looking at doing next year. For Robbie, it's easy, right? Hell, Robbie's probably – we talked to him the other day about it. Hell, probably is already pulling Penn State tape to get an idea in general of what's going to happen because it's going to be Brent's system. Um, I can't wait to do that. Um, but culture, identity, his vision, and his passion, this is the job he wants for the next 15 years. And I hope – because of being a fan, he can be as successful as Frank's 15-year run 
because the way college football is shaping, if the next 15 years were like those 15 years, Brian, we're going to go to the playoffs a lot because it's going to be a lot more teams. We're going to have a lot more chances, and I think we're going to be a lot higher. All right, y'all, before we get into even more, we've been talking a full hour. We are going to take a quick pause so I can drink something, and Brian can drink something for a quick pause from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, guys, we, we kind of teased this earlier and we're going to probably hit it real hard right now. Something we'll be doing anytime we record between pretty much now and March, because maybe even the summertime, we're going to look at portal review. Obviously, you know, just with the hire just happening, we have no one in. But we do have um, we have three guys technically in the portal. We already talked about Daryl Bailey, um, backup quarterback Knox Kadem came in, put his name in the portal earlier this week. I don't think that's a shock to me or you, Brian. But the big one happened today, um, and we don't know if this is just him being in the portal, being available to talk to other people, or what. But Unfortunately, Tavian Robinson did put his name in the portal today, Brian. Yeah, and that's a big one because, I mean, obviously that's going to be, from a overall talent and experience perspective, that was going to be the top receiver coming back for us in Pump 2022. Yeah, so, I mean, th- that that's big. Um, but, you know, as always, you know, players got to do what's best for them. And I can understand looking at our current quarterback situation and also not knowing what the offensive coaching situation is going to look like, at least for another couple of weeks. I understand him making this business decision. And, you know, as always with, with, with player choice, I mean, we wish him the best of luck. Yeah. This is definitely a once a hokey, always a hokey situation. Um, anytime he wants to, um, you know, have a beer. If I see him, I'm buying him a beer because he did some damn good things here as a Hokie. Um, ho- hopefully there's a scenario where things fall into place and he wants to to come back to Blacksburg. But if that's not the case, we wish him well at his next stop and hopefully he goes there and tears it up. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's just, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen more over the next few weeks. Um, you're also going to have guys with some eligibility not come back. And, and it's just the, it's just what it is right now, especially well, after- COVID too. I mean, right now we had a roster full of extra year guys that are not going to exercise that extra year. I mean, yep. Trey Turner's one of them. Um, we had Changa Hodge uh, said he's, okay. he's declaring for the, uh, for the draft yep. as well. Um, you're probably going to see a couple more guys that do this. You're probably going to see a handful of guys transfer. Uh, I mean, it's to be expected right now. We're looking to probably clear, uh, I'd say you're at least other other than the ones we already know, I'd say you're at least looking at another five, uh, five to seven, uh, that, that are going to clear out. Oh Yeah. The other piece that I don't know if you remember, and we're going kind of back to the presser, but I got to talk about this. 
Coach Pry basically said he is going to have a specific unit in his recruiting staff that is portal only. And I think, believe it or not, I think we've already kind of got a jump on that, the way we've worked the portal the last few years. But it's the way the school, it's the way it's going. And it's going to be crucial. I don't know if he's listening tonight. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. I got a cousin in South Carolina who's a South Carolina fan. The portal is going to be big for schools like Virginia Tech and South Carolina. Because when we need when we need a really good run run guard and there's this kid coming out of Michigan, can't get any PT. He can run block his ass off. Go get him. Go get him. Well, he has some flaws in pass, but I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. He's a really good run blocker. That's our identity. I, well, I mean, look at what we pulled with Johnny Jordan in this in this uh, past cycle. I mean, well, Johnny you know, Khalil. I mean, yeah. I mean, if if if, if that if that's only really having one part time person that was focusing on that in uh, Adam Lechtenberg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Think if we actually have two two or three folks, a team of people that are just focused on evaluating and recruiting talent from the portal recruiting and that's going to be very important year one because we probably need two quarterbacks a wide receiver at least one offensive lineman and at least one defensive end and one defensive tackle true that's starting and and that's and that's not knowing if there's going to be any other attrition at any other positions that we're thin at and you know so we're talking about at least leaving five players out the gate that we need to get the portal. But you want to know the thing, Brian? There are players in collegiate football right now sitting on the bench, not getting an opportunity at certain programs that it's going to be back-channeled, right? Yep. There's going to be people that see it on tape, and they're going to call someone like, listen, you need to talk to this kid about potentially going in the portal. Like, it, 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 I don't care if you call it dirty. It's going to become part of the game. Like, you need to get him in the portal. Why? Because if he gets in the portal, we can talk to him. We can show him our vision. We do that another way, it's going to screw us up. But he's got to get to the portal. So, again, I really believe – I mean, I think there's a possibility that we, we – we, there are some good quarterbacks out there that will step away. Because say what you will. Do you, do you want Adrian Martinez? No. <laughs> the guy was three years started and lost his job this year. I mean I just had to clear it out there. It popped out today. I was like, I gotta I gotta see if you yay or nay. No. Um, um Spencer Rattler, yes. Okay. I think I, I'd I'm, take I'm fine with that. I mean I think yeah, that that's a uh that's a worth the risk type move there. Yeah, but you know in, in my mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. California love. Um babe. <laughs> there, there, there's a there's a question whether we uh, kick the tires on Eugene Asante. I know he hasn't lived up to expectations, um, but he is a uh, Nova kid. He's a uh, a player that has flashed at times. Uh, is our staff someone that thinks he can get more out of of him in our type of system than they're getting out of him at UNC? Uh, I mean, he's had some of the same type of issues that Tisdale had. And in terms of player, he's probably a bigger, faster version of, of Alan Tisdale. What is he? He is a red shirt sophomore, technically, right? He has two years left, counting, including the, the fact he got the free COVID year. 
I would be willing to take a risk on him. I would be willing to take a risk on him, um, A, because of who our head coach is now. Um, it's essentially a guy who's, you know, coached a bunch of damn good linebackers. So if it's one of those things where if you see him coming here, it's uh, definitely it's a head coach move, right? And, you know, with Tisdale right now, him and Tisdale are the same. It also depends on what we're going to run on defense, right? Are we going to go into any true 4-3 looks? Because Penn State does have some true 4-3 true, true looks where they have a true weak side linebacker. Yeah, they, 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 they still use it on a lot of uh, instances. They kind of, I mean, it's kind of a 4-2 look. It's still, but they use their whip as 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 a more traditional kind of weak side outside. Uh, whereas, you know, our whip has pretty much became a nickel that can yeah. slide in the box. Can you just say it? They used their whip like Bud used his whip up until about seven years ago. Like Cody, like, um, like Pweedy where it was – you have to be athletic. It's almost more of like you're playing a third safety on the field, not more of a third – it's more of a safety linebacker versus a safety corner. So it, the, the portal's going to be crazy. I, you know, we, we, we've already had some portal conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our, our buddy, we've already talked about him one time tonight. Coach Robert Compton has officially joined in. He must have found a good tree down there in Wilkesboro to uh, <laughs> get some good signal. The Wi-Fi is no longer spotty. No Wi-Fi is no longer spotty. Um, he found he found some rabbit ears. He's like standing on his it. head. He's he's doing something out there to get get the service going. I'm just thinking, thanks for joining, buddy. Yeah, Robbie. Cheers, buddy. I'm I'm thinking the episode with him. We might have to do like on a Saturday. Robbie, you got to drive up to Richmond. We're just all we'll hang out in the man cave here, drink beer, piss our wives yeah. off. We'll we'll have an actual roundtable. Exactly, got <laughs> the roundtable right there. Look, I got there another go. bar stool somewhere in the house. All right, let's let's jump off portal and and Brian. We we've all watched. You've watched Game of Thrones, correct? Oh yeah, huge Game of Thrones from the beginning to the end. The end sucked. Yes, they should have redid it, but I digress. How about Game of Headsets in the <laughs> in this? The fucking craziness that's happened. And the craziness that broke while I was eating dinner tonight, having some delicious stuffed peppers, by the way. Um, Bronco Mendenhall announces that after the bowl game, he will leave. You texted me, and, and, and I'm like, you're like, holy shit, what? <laughs> yeah, uh, th- this is full-on little finger. Chaos is not a pit. Chaos is a ladder. And right, thankfully, right. we came out on the r- the right side of that. Uh, UVA, meanwhile, is holding their dicks a little bit um, <laughs> because I don't think anyone saw this coming. They were not prepared for this. Um, they are in full scramble mode. Uh, they could end up working out something that 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 works out for them, but they they definitely put themselves behind the eight ball, and Bronco has put them there in in a lot of ways. Um, because this isn't we're planning on firing you on X date, but we're already having back channel discussions with who the next guy is. This is, oh, holy shit. This guy decided, you know, five days after the last game of the regular season that he he's done and we've done zero 
prep work on how we're going to handle this. They're so fucked. It's not and if, it, if they they could luck in to get in the right that right hire, they might be able to lure someone like Dan Mullen in. Um, they might take a risk and name someone like Anthony Poindexter as a head coach out the gate. I think that's their only choice. I mean, well, a because of what happened a few years ago when they kind of screwed him over, but b it's 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 one of those. It's like it is one of your best football players, all American, drafted, played in the league, came back to coach. You screwed him over on the coaching situation. He's at Penn State right now. He's pro- and and the rumors are we're fighting for him to become DC. Yeah, people and, and, and I'm sure Penn State is trying to keep him there to be, to like take over for Prize DC. Um, and then you got UVA. I don't think he's going to come to UVA to be DC. No, he if will, he if he's got a job at Penn State, head coach, head yeah. coach. Oh, so or, unless or they're willing to roll the dice and say, because I, I mean, all he has right now is some some co DC experience. So he he hasn't even been a full time uh, coordinator um, at this point. Can I, but, can I tell you why they need to hire him? It's a culture hire. Yeah, big time culture it's hire. A, Fucking culture hire, and and they would be idiots not to, because the one of the best runs UVA had was when when that man was coaching or was was playing for you. One of the best runs, and and to be honest, we talked about this with Dwight back last winter, Brian. The best the rivalry had ever been when guys like him, Jeff, you know, from Lynchburg, guys like Dwight, Jake Grove, when all the in-state talent was in both pro. Tech was a top 10 program. Virginia was a top 20 program. And that Saturday meant something every year. It meant something. something. And and they've been playing against each other, whether it was um, in high school all-star games. Like, all that shit used to go on uh, back then. And you used to see some legit rivalries, even from folks that didn't play each other on their regular season schedule. Um, So, I mean, there was a lot of that type of stuff going on. And it carried over into the UVA Virginia Tech rivalry, and Poindexter was kind of one of the kind of the last um, big big time players in that uh, Welsh era, along with like Thomas Jones and guys like that. Um, getting a guy back in like that would be big for them from a culture perspective, and from a recruiting perspective because he he's a guy that could definitely recruit the state Damn and. Right. And he, he can make a case, you know, I did it here. It can be done here. I, I, so that would be big for them. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't happen just for I, – I want him on our staff. <laughs> oh, it, it, listen, if, if you want to talk about the biggest F you, if he literally – if they A, if they do not offer him and then he comes here as the D.C., I don't think he'll ever go back there. I mean, for real, like right now. If they don't at least offer him D.C., then. There's no. They're they're fucked up. You have to offer him the head coaching job. You have to. All right, but we'll digress. All right. So the other. Robbie's got a a suggestion here. He thinks they should bring back Grow. (laughs) Isn't Al like 80 now, though? How old's Al Grow? How old is Al Grow, Robbie? Seriously. Too old. He's old. Too old. All right, let's let's talk about this. So the Lincoln Riley stuff we talked about Sunday, which was pretty wild. This is even crazier. Your team is eleven and one. 
your team is on the verge of the playoff is just one or two things happen. You're out recruiting. Your staff is out recruiting. And all of a sudden, Brian Kelly to LSU. Yeah, the, the word is that w- one of the guys had just left a, a fucking recruiting visit <laughs> where they were pitching Notre Dame and Brian Kelly's Notre Dame. And they pull up their phone and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, and this is classic Brian Kelly, right? <laughs> didn't, didn't he just like leave Central Michigan to go to Cincinnati, like out of nowhere, like literally drop the bags and was like peace? He's definitely, right? yeah. I mean, and I'm obviously there's there's no like, well, we need X number of days. I get that, but like the situation that Brian Kelly's walking out of, I mean, it's even different than what. Um, Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma. I mean, th- we thought that was abrupt. This is like next level. It is. I mean, I mean, like, I guess least- the only da- the only positive is that you know Brian Kelly wasn't actively re- recruiting players to potentially <laughs> line up to go to his next school. <laughs> like, I know that I know that was inadvertent, but it, it, it looks shady I, as hell, doesn't it? It looks shady as hell. We're going to recruit California real heavy this year. Real, real heavy. Real heavy. <laughs> and then, like, he played the long game. Somebody at USC, like, as soon as Clay loses a game, we are going to fire him, so be ready. Um, I don't I don't know how this is going to work. Like, don't get me wrong. It's and, working nicely for uh, Notre Dame right now. Oh, yeah. Well, it's working right <laughs> I mean – they're getting sympathy, right? Like they're, they're getting they, sympathy and they're pretty much maintaining all everybody. of their staff. Well, the like only, this, this is a Brian Kelly is leaving for LSU. And I can, can you think of a worse fit oh, a from a culture perspective apparently than Brian Kelly at LSU? There. Apparently there's a video of him out there at the basketball game. He's developed a Southern accent in like two days, which is pretty fucking impressive. Come on. If, if he starts talking like coach, O, you know, what's up. Oh my God. <laughs> the fix is in. It doesn't seem like a culture fit, but the guy can coach football. There's, there's he can coach football, and, and I mean he can he can talk his way out of a paper bag. Apparently, so I mean, I mean, you know, he's a the you know, recruiter and a salesman like that. But you know, the 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 slime ball tactics can only go so far. And I mean, it's true. When, when you, you, you start, he's not bringing his staff with him, so he's going to have to build either from the base of folks that have coached and recruited in that area, or he's going to have to plumb some new pipelines, right? Well, here's the deal though. It's LSU. There's going to be somebody, there's going to be good coaches at schools all across the country that if he goes and says, do you want to coach here? They're going to be like, yeah, because it's. Oh yeah. I mean, and he's definitely getting a situation where it's going to be hard to say no, because a, it's LSU and B, they're gonna pay top Alex dollar Davis. for everybody. To be a first all assistant coach and say everybody's making over seven hundred and fifty thousand, and he's making like nine and a half million a year over a ten year deal. They also gave him a ten year deal. Did you hear that? Ten years, that's sixty. Good lord! But um, I don't know how that's gonna work. It's gonna be so interesting to see. But the guy has. You say what you will. The guy's fucking killed it everywhere. I mean, literally, Michigan. Oh, 
Fading, Brian. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, he'll kill you. Um, let's go to this tube. Oklahoma, to me, is not in a worse situation as UVA because they're Oklahoma. But, you know, everybody thought this week, well, the, the younger Stoops brother will come. Well, no. Mark says, I'm good at Kentucky. They like me winning between seven and nine games a year. I'm going to go ahead and get a seven-year extension, and basically I'm coaching here until I'm retired. He's making good money to with only medium expectations, and he's them. doing a good job of hitting or exceeding those expectations every year right now. You're damn right they are. And if he can maintain what he's doing on the recruiting trail and maintain the level of play he's getting from his players, mm-hmm. he's going to ride this into the sunset, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. I mean, why do you want? He's old enough where he doesn't need a prestige hire in his resume. No, no. He well, you know, he has doesn't he have national title rings from you know some assistant coaching job? Yeah, and and again, for for us, for us, our age group, he's doing what at Kentucky? They're winning games. They're going to bowls every year. Like they're fighting with. They're beating Florida. They're competing with Georgia. No way. So the last time that program was even decent, Jerry Lorenzen was throwing for him. Uh, the hefty lefty, God rest his soul. Um, there are rumors out now. We're, this is going to flip back to Notre Dame. I don't know. This is us putting this together. This is the, this is might be one of the longest rundown sheets we've ever had. Literally, like on a non-game week episode. It looks like Notre Dame is going to hire Marcus Freeman. Tommy Reese is going to stay in-house. A lot of the other coaches are staying in-house. Um, hey, Brian Kelly said it last year. He's a future coach of Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't know. May, may, maybe his foot was already out the door, too, like Lincoln Riley. Like, I'm good. Like, I think um, they, they're definitely getting a excellent head coach. If you've heard, if you ever go on YouTube and find some of his, you know, interviews, I think that locks it up. And now – Let's uh, the hefty lefty. Yes, definitely our hero. Robbie Compton, also better known as J.C. Price's doppelganger. Um, true. Uh, but I think they're fine. I think Notre Dame's going to be fine. Notre Dame might be better than what they were with under Kelly yeah. and were good under Kelly. I mean, Freeman's a great hire. I mean, he was on our short list when we talked about candidates that we would be good with. When we we were looking at, all right, who's the coordinator that you would be most comfortable with that doesn't have any Virginia Tech ties? Freeman. Freeman. Top of the list. Um, And and, and the fact that he's able to stay at Notre Dame, um, that that helps them both this year to – potentially keep their college football playoffs hopes alive if a couple things happen uh, going into this weekend. And it sets them up good going into next year because there's a whole lot of continuity, not only in recruiting, uh, but also the systems that they're running on offense and defense. It's true. And again, I think they're in a better place. He's a 34-year-old. There's only one job he'd leave for. One. And the way Ryan Day is going in the age of Ryan Day, unless Ryan Day decides to go to the NFL, he's not getting to Ohio State anytime in the next 10 years. All right. We kind of already hit a couple times Lincoln Riley. What the hell is Oklahoma doing? I mean, we're like on day four, and they still don't have a head coach, where I think a lot of us expected after Sunday it'll be Matt Campbell, 
they'll go hard. Like, are they are they waiting for like? I mean, Brent Venables is should be the candidate. He was the OC there under Stoops when they had a shit ton of success. Why aren't you calling him and saying nine million, eight years, bring whoever the hell you want to bring? Yeah. Um, the, I, I think that's what they're looking at. Um, you know, the question is going to be, do we see any movement after, uh, this weekend? Um, I don't know if they're waiting on somebody else that is playing in a game this week. Um, you know, we had a guy like Dan Lanning on our, on our board. Is, is that somebody they're looking at? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Venable seems like the the uh, the best fit out the gate. Uh, Matt Campbell seems like the best upside, like the high upside pick. Um, I don't know. It, it, Oklahoma just seems like I think they'll get somebody good because they are in they are Oklahoma. They're a top fifteen, top ten program of all time. Um, but the issue now becomes it's not so much this year, and next right, or next year and the year after. It's Dude, y'all are going to the SEC. You're going to be like the seventh program there. I still believe that's why Lincoln left. Like Lincoln's like, why do I want to? Why do I want to be halfway down the peg when I can be a top dog? Yep. And Th- that that that's a program that decided that the money was more important than the clout. But the, but eventually, the money can't solve all issues. Not when everybody's getting the same amount of money you are. Yeah, that that's that's the thing. The they they thing said that they decided is- that the money that the program's bringing in was more important than the clout, and I think it's going to cost them long term because at best they're going to be kind of the fourth or fifth team in that I'm conference lower. year to oh. year. They Hold could on. be lower, but lower. lower. I think I think they'll be lower some years, but I think they'll be higher some years. I think, um, six, but seven. I think on the on the average they're going to be like four or five in that conference. Wait, you're saying four or five? You ready? They're gonna be better than Georgia every year. No. Bama. No. What about A and M? I mean, I think they're right there with A and M. LSU. Depends on what <laughs> Brian Kelly does. All right, Florida. They beat they beat this year's LSU. <laughs> they, they beat this year's LSU, Florida. <laughs> It uh, depends on what Napier does. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the last twenty years in in Oklahoma. I mean, there. Oklahoma's played Oklahoma's played for more national titles than all but two of the teams we're talking about here. True. I just think the issue is they're going to be seventh or eighth because remember Texas is coming with them. I think they've I think they both have screwed themselves, and it's going to be funny in ten years. Our the weirdest part is that Texas didn't need more money. Like they, they, they need more money. I think it's gonna be funny in ten years. Our our boys are gonna be like, yeah, I remember when Oklahoma won national championships. They did what? Oh yeah, you've seen them as a meddling top twenty five program your entire life, huh? Yeah, now we understand. All right, Brian, this is the last piece of news before we get into pickums. Um, the ACC network after football season is coming to Comcast. I don't have Comcast. I don't care. I've had the ACC network since its inception. 
I watch it through Fios, so I don't really care either. But um, <clears throat> everybody, it's it's, it's big for our market, and it's and it's big for Virginia Tech because that's going to uh, be more media revenue that's coming in uh, directly through the network because you in more markets, so that's going to be more revenue. So that's a good thing. Um, and the, you know, the big thing is that the the footprint that not only we recruit, but that you know, most of the fans are living in is in that, uh, that Comcast, uh, footprint. So unless you have, you know, you're in a metro area and you've got Fios, if you've got, you know, or you stream one of the satellites, I mean, th- there's some options there, but, uh, they're, are streaming, but people that are still on, you know, most small towns, most communities throughout these regions, they're locked into one provider and satellite. More than likely, they've got Comcast, and they have not had access here. So, uh, this is big for them, um, and it's it's big long term in terms of media dollars for Virginia Tech and the ACC as a whole. Absolutely, it's it's also big to certain family members, you know, who have been. Hey, can I get your Hulu stuff? I get your fire stuff. Why? I need to, I need to sign into the ESPN app so I can watch the game. I'm like, okay. So uh, it, it's good. Again, it's good for all the various reasons. It's just hilarious. It literally took the week after football ends for it to happen. And it's but, still in, in the coming week. So this is probably a start of the new year type deal, if I had to guess. Exactly. But, again, for ACC country, basketball is huge. So maybe it came at the right time to get people to watch the network a ton. Once the meat of the ACC regular season kicks in at the start of the new year, you'll be able to watch it on Xfinity. Exactly. Probably wants to score a football game. You got it up there tonight? I don't, man. Me either. I'm just interested. I don't think I have anybody playing tonight in fantasy, but um, I don't think I'm playing anybody. I don't think I am. I was officially uh, eliminated from. Oh, you got eliminated this week? Yeah, because Mike won last week, so I, I mathematically couldn't jump him even if I won this week. Ah. Uh, well, so he's got me on. He's got me on points and head to head. Well, if you jumped him by seventy-five points, you'd be okay. Yeah, I'm not bad. <laughs> yeah, Brian, <laughs> Brian, listen, you should be commended for how you. Manage this fantasy football year. You had a shit ton go wrong at the beginning of the season to be even considered in the playoffs at the, at the last few weeks is impressive. Yeah, I was dead last in week four. <laughs> dead last to knocking on playoffs door in week 11 and 12. So kudos to you. All right, Brian, let's flip it over to Saturday Pick'ems. We will be picking all the bowl games as well, but we're going to start here. Brian, 66-55-2. I'm 71-47-2. And we're going to pick all the conference championship games. We've got 10 of them. Let's start Friday night, Brian. Conference USA Championship. UTSA versus Western Kentucky. UTSA was undefeated until just a couple weeks ago. Western Kentucky's lane two and a half. Western Kentucky blew the doors off of Marshall last weekend. And our beloved Charles Huff. Um, but I don't know. I, I know there is some, there's some swirling. Some people have said, let's take a look at Western Kentucky. OC, 
I think based on what Brent Pry wants to do, nah, he's an air raid type guy. I don't see Brent going doing that. But I also don't see Western Kentucky beating UTSA. I think UTSA wins this game outright. Give me the points, and I'll take UTSA. Yeah, I'm, I'm going the same way with you here. Uh, I think Western Kentucky had a really good game against Marshall. I think it was just a bad matchup overall. I think they're a good football team, but I think uh, UTSA is going to pull this one out. Um, outright win. Probably, probably even maybe a touchdown win for them. So um, I'll go the same route there, bud. And if you're wondering the records, UTSA is 11-1. and one. Um, Western Kentucky is eight and four and, um, you know, Western Kentucky lost to UTSA by six earlier this season. That game was at Western Kentucky. So just one of those highlights there. All right. The PAC 12 championship is Friday night, Brian, Oregon versus Utah in Las Vegas. I think that's the smartest thing that the big, the PAC 12 could do is put that game in Vegas every year, regardless um, and big try time, work, and try to work to get that thing moved to a Saturday night, or at least a Saturday afternoon. Because me sitting here, like, hey, let's go to Vegas and watch the Pac-12 championship games. Why? Because we're going to Vegas. But uh, how about this one, Brian? The game was just a couple weeks ago. Utah beat Oregon. Utah, the three-point favorite. What do you say on this one? I think the revenge factor and neutral site is the difference. Give me Oregon. I'm with you. The neutral site's the biggest difference there. Um, Rice Eccles is a tough place to play in the middle of nowhere, Utah. And this is what Oregon does, right? They lose a game two weeks before the championship game while they're in the playoffs. They get kicked out of the playoffs. Then they come wreck shop on whoever they play and go to the Rose Bowl. Yep. Oregon, give me the three. Oregon Tale as old as time. <laughs> Oregon wins by 10, 38-28. All right. The MAC championship for one of our uh, action. <laughs> you know who the saddest person is on a weeknight without MAC action? Is it John Earl? John Earl. Degenerate <laughs> <laughs> that he is. Northern Illinois, Kent State. Um, I know very little about the MAC this year. It is one conference I've not kept up with. Um, so while doing my research this week, Kent State has a good offense. I'm one of the best in the country. Um, Northern Illinois, I know, beat Georgia Tech, but after what we saw from Georgia Tech the last basically rest of the year, they're hot trash. I'm going to take Kent State. I think the offense wins this one out. Uh, Lay the three points. Give me uh, Kent State. Not so fast, my friend. I'm going to go Northern Illinois here, and this is purely on – I know they – play really good football most every year for a Mac team. Uh, <laughs> that, that That's my rationale here. I haven't done any deep dives on, on these two teams, um, but I, I feel like they're going to pull it out and I think it's going to be an outright win for them. All right. It's a revenge game. Northern Illinois beat Kent state by five earlier this year. Revenge Kent state. All right, buddy. <laughs> Now we're getting into some of the bigger games. And this one is huge. Big 12 championship noon kick on Saturday. Baylor-Oklahoma State rematch. Earlier this year, Oklahoma State beat Baylor in a pretty good lower scoring contest for Big 12. Oklahoma State 
laying five and a half points to Baylor. What do you say on this one, Brian? I really like the way Oklahoma State's been playing. Um, the only thing that gives me pause here is that about once or twice a year you get those Gundy games where for some reason they don't get it done against good competition. But I think this is going to be the year they kind of shake that off a little bit. So I'm going to take Okie State lay the points. All right. Brian takes Okie, laying the points. Um, I'm going to go oppo of you. I don't think Baylor's going to win this game. This game was a 10-point game the first time down in Stillwater, 24-14. Uh, uh, back in, I think this was September. It was an early one, I believe. Uh, early October. Actually, okay. I can remember watching part of it. Went down to a neighbor's house for a little while. I think Okie State wins a game, but I don't think it's as I think it's a three-point game. I think being at a neutral site is going to help out Baylor, but I still think Gundy pulls it out. Something like 28-24. Okay. Oklahoma State, Baylor covers, though. Um, you know, and Baylor and Okie State sets themselves up to get into the playoffs as some things happen. All right, let's go out to the Mountain West, Brian. Utah State versus San Diego State. The Mountain West. Sorry, kind of put this breaker near because I'm literally putting them in the order that they come on television. Is this me? Or are you leading on this one or me? Uh, oh, that's me leading on it. I'm San Diego State. Best team in the Mountain West. Brady Hoke leading on Brady Hoke. I think eventually Brady Hoke's going to get a second chance at a P5 job. I think the time he went to Michigan was just not right. But I I watched the, the a good amount of the San Diego State-Boise State game. Good offense. Very efficient. Definitely a damn good defense as they always have. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, they, they always play good defense. I think that's the difference, and I think they're able to probably probably win by about a touchdown. All right. So I'll go San Diego State. All right, let's go to the fun belt. Billy Napier and his University Lafayette Raging Cajuns versus App State. Shout out my buddy at work, Malik. App State laying three. Does Napier get it done since he's announced it? There's nothing to hide. I'm leaving at the end of this game. Or is it App State getting revenge? This is the tough one. Uh, Does he rally the troops? Do the troops rally around him in his last game at Lafayette? Or is this one where he's got one foot out the door and they're not prepared and they lay an egg against a quality opponent? Um I tend to go with the former. I, I think the the players are going to rally around him, get the job done, send him off with with a big win. So I'll take uh, Lafayette. I think they're going to win outright. All right. Give me App State. I think App State is the best team in the Sun Belt year in, year out. Always a good running game. Always a good defense. And losing to Lafayette this year, um, I think it's a little revenge factor. But also, I, I want to say this, Brian. We watched that Thursday night game, a little bit of it, with Lafayette, right? You watched a little they – sh- they have been struggling offensively for several weeks now. 
And I think against a team like App State, we saw App State take Miami to the brink. We've seen App State beat other teams. They took Penn State to the brink a few years ago. I think they spoil his last game and don't get – I think they win the Sun Belt. Um, give me App State. I'll lay the three in like a touchdown game. All right. We go next to probably the game that is going to determine how the playoff looks one way or the other. It's Bama. It's Georgia. Georgia is laying six and a half points. This one is just tough because only one Nick Saban assistant has ever beat him. Only one. That was this year with Jimbo Fitcher with A&M in the basically last second field goal. Watching Bama over the last two weeks, I watched a good amount of the Arkansas game, and even though I was watching the Tech game Saturday, it was up on my upper left TV, and I was really keeping an eye on it. Bama's offense showed against a Auburn defense that was aggressive as shit. It struggled. They struggled to score points. Literally, it took them to the end of the game to get to 10. The other piece, we saw the Arkansas game, right? They could not stop the Arkansas run and attack. And even though I think Arkansas is a slightly better offensive team, I think Georgia's got more studs. I think this game's about a 14-point game. I think this game is going to be somewhere like Georgia 31, Bama 17. And I'm going to lay the six and a half, and I'm going to take the dogs. I'm right there with you. Bama will not be able to score more than 17 points. I think probably 14 points. I think this is 24-14 Georgia. So I will take Georgia here. All right. So in our scenarios, Bama's out. Now, Okie State's won, right, Brian? Yep. So they're on the cusp. Let's go down to Houston, Cincinnati. Cincinnati undefeated 12-0, a 10.5-point favorite. They're number four right now behind Alabama. What do you think? They win, they cover, or they win, or they lose. Good teams win, great teams cover. Cincy is a good team. They will win, they will not cover. Ron takes Houston in the 10.5 points. I'm going to go completely opposite of you, man. I think Cincy is going to prove a point against a ranked Houston team with only one loss. I think they pound them. I don't think that offense gets off the ground at Houston. 31-10 Cincinnati. Oh, domination. Domination. You're going legal limit here. I don't know if I'd go legal limit, but, you know, it's not one of them where I see them winning like by 40. I can see them winning by 20. All right. So now we've got Bama out, Okie State in, or Okie State winning, Cincy likely holding on to their spot. Before we get to the last spot, let's go to Wake Pitt. What I think is probably – I think that's going to be – this is going to be the most entertaining game of the day, regardless. Regardless. Wake – or excuse me, Pitt is a favorite – by three points. The over-under is 71. 
I think they peg that perfect. Yeah, that's about what I would peg it as well. Yep. Like right at 35. So what do you say, Brian, here? Well, actually, it's me, right? Because you took Houston. I'm going to take Wake. I think Wake is that team that has shown they can get in some shootouts and win. And there's been a couple times this year where Pitt – just done a couple things just very strange and lost. I think Wake wins. The Fighting Clausens go to the Peach Bowl. I, I've been struggling with this one. Uh, you've got the uh, first team all ACC quarterback on one side, the second team all ACC quarterback on the other. Uh, you got good at times, but very uneven and questionable defenses. Um, very high risk, high reward. Uh, I think the difference is that Pitt's going to do a good job of attacking that long mesh. So I'm going to take Pitt. All right, Brian's laying the three. I'm taking the three. All right, Brian. The final pick is Iowa versus Michigan. Michigan, an 11-point favorite. Do you know the over-under on this game? Have you looked at that? I haven't. 43 and a half. 43 and a half. Michigan lane 11 points. What do you say on this one? I like Michigan to win this game. The 11 is just a little too rich for my blood. I think it's somewhere between a 7 and 10 point win for Michigan. Um, So I will take Iowa here. I'm with you on that. I think Michigan definitely wins the game. I think they win the game somewhere probably exactly like the over-unders predicting, somewhere like 24-10. So the the eleven is just a little bit too much. Um, all right, Brian, in this fun. So Bama's out, right? They Bama's get out. Chance. They're out. Georgia's one. We keep in Michigan at two for CFP. If Michigan wins, Michigan is staying. Michigan's two. What do you do with Cincy? You, we both predicted they win. You predicted Houston covers. I predicted a big blowout. Are they three or are they four? If if they win like a blowout, I think you move them to three. What if they just win? Houston's Houston has one loss. Houston's eleven and one. They're twenty four. Yeah, um, I think they. Principally, I think they should move to three. I'm trying to think. What is the college football playoff going to do? <laughs> well, I think they stay think, at four. I don't think they stay at four because if they stay at four, it's the biggest in the world. It's the biggest F you in the world. Oh, go play Georgia now. Although last year, two similar teams, and they hung with Georgia right to the end. All right. So if our scenario holds true, we both think Oklahoma State wins. No chance Notre Dame's in. Oklahoma Not State if Oklahoma State, State wins. If Oklahoma State loses, then the college football playoff is going to have to make a big decision. You know what they're going to do to get how they're going to get it? They're going to put Bama at three. But they lost to Georgia, and Georgia's a really good team. I don't... They, 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 the whole thing that they did with the, well, Notre Dame doesn't have their head coach, and we're going to take that into account – was it was to create a scenario where Bama can lose and be in. That's the only reason that shit was in there. And that's bullshit. You've lost two games. You lost to a five-loss team, and you lost to the best team in the country. 
we're beyond eye test. If you lose two yeah. games, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be, be in. Yeah. <laughs> well, this isn't this isn't twelve yet. Yeah. Twelve is where two games can get you in, and three games, depending on who you lose to, might get you in. Yeah, I, I mean, I test is. I test is a good differentiator, all things being equal. I test should not put you in someone over someone that has a a better resume and B head to head matchups that are comparable that can say, okay, well they beat this team or they beat this team heads up. Like at some point the games have to matter. Yep, games have to matter. I'm I'm still waiting for if we go to twelve, there's a seven and five eight, the SEC team that they try to push in. But the losses are all by like a touchdown. That's uh, that's that's the Oklahoma. That's Oklahoma in three years. Ooh. <laughs> all right, Brian. Has anything broken the last uh, almost two hours? I knew this was going to go. I'm, I'm probably <laughs> under two hours. Hey, uh, I think I think we did good. Hour just over hour forty five. We we were we were pretty smooth, all things considered. We had a couple breaking points just before we went on here that. You know, probably pushed us from just over 130 to just under 150 here. So, what can you do? I hope you guys enjoyed it, though. I hope they really enjoyed it at all. Hope you enjoyed when you listen tomorrow. Press, you know, press like. Send us a send us some feedback, guys, of what you want to hear more from us. Yeah, um, we got an off season come up. We, I mean, th- this is when your guys's input really kind of you know can set the table for what type of content we put out in the next five to six months. Exactly, and our brains are turning. Trust us. Oh yeah, we're, we're going to have some fun stuff, regardless. But oh yeah, if y'all if, if it's something y'all want, you know we, we'll we'll, we'll do our best it. to give it to you. Damn right we will. So Brian, this is a great day in Hokey Notion. Brent Pry officially, uh, essentially, he has announced he is our head coach. You feel like it's about to be old times back in Blacksburg again? Correct. I feel it. Let's feel it. All right, well, that will wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website at BoundaryCornerBT.com to listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. As always, we got our buddy Jason Long. Play us in, play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Hokies!